listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here, and today we're doing another deal analysis on a house hack with an ADU in low high. So a cool property with some really cool exit strategies and ways to rent it out as well. So my co-host is Lauren Valinotti. Lauren, good morning, how are you doing? Hey, doing good, excited to be here today. I am, glad to have you back in the studio. So this is a deal that, I mean, you, you worked on, you put together. So in a couple words, what was it and why'd you like it? I love this one because it was a cash flowing Highlands deal. Uh, which well, those we are all the time out there. <laughs> which was really exciting to find. Uh, it was a beautiful old Victorian home, um, all in the, the hot spots where everybody wants to be that when we run the numbers, you can be pretty impressed with the, the cash flow. On. Yeah. And our, our guest and investor who bought this property is Brian Alperin. Brian, good morning, man. Glad to have you in here. Good morning, Chris. Yeah. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to uh, really dive into these numbers because your, your background, you've been an underwriter, you've been in private equity, so you're going to have a really good handle on the numbers. So I'm excited to dig in the spreadsheet with you and, and run these scenarios. I know you did your due diligence. Yep. So I'm yep. excited to pick your brain. So to set it up, give everyone the background about who, who you are, Brian. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. So uh, I started my career in commercial banking. Uh, had had touched a lot of different areas within lending, but but did a lot of commercial real estate in California. Uh, you know, n- number of uh, large commercial real estate projects in San Francisco and in the Bay Area, and uh, and then transitioned into private equity. Originally on the real estate side, um, doing historic rehabilitations around the country. So these are historic buildings that we would go in and renovate. Um, and then most recently have, have moved out of real estate into renewable energy and, and came out to Denver to, to, uh, build a, a renewable energy office out here, but, you know, still, still have a lot of interest in, in real estate. And so, uh, on the personal side have, have been, you know, getting involved in, in Denver. Great. So you've got background in some really big projects, mm-hmm. which I'm sure there are some similarities to house hacking, but probably a lot of differences as well. So why house hacking? Well, you know, I, I mean, the way I looked at it was, um, you know, we, it made a lot of sense for us to, to buy a home in Denver, you know, versus just renting. We did that, you know, our initial years we came out here when, and we're just kind of learning the market and getting comfortable and, and also, you know, making sure it's somewhere we wanted to be at least uh, for a few years. Um, but, you know, w- once we realized that we wanted to buy a place, you know, I guess maybe it's the uh, the investor in me that, that you know, it, it's hard to look at it purely as just a home and when it was looking at it for, you know, how, how do we kind of help build towards our financial goals and and uh, find that balance of something that, you know, is, is the right home for us, but also um, will, will help us get us some experience in, in uh, you know, real estate investing and, and, you know, offset part of the mortgage with, with some mm-hmm. cash flow and, and just kind of accelerate, you know, our, our goals in, in building a bit of a, a real estate portfolio. And for the house hacking, it's you and your fiance, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I remember when we, when we first, I don't know, one of the first times we connected, I was, uh, I can tell you this now, I was a little worried because you wanted to, you know, you wanted to, uh, a nice place, but also have it work for, I think, what, like either your parents or your, mm-hmm. or your fiance's mm-hmm. parents to come out. And it was, there was a lot of, a lot of balls to juggle on here. Yeah. And the more to juggle, the harder it is to find a good investment. So yeah. I was yeah. a little bit concerned about that, but I mean, you guys made it happen. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty long list. Um, so, so, you know, we, we, uh, and, and, 
that was, you know, I think one of the main challenges here was, um, you know, I, I, I'm used to making investment decisions every day and looking at, at, you know, potential investment opportunities, but then looking at that also through the lens of what's going to make my fiance happy, what's a good place for my parents to come out and visit and maybe even live in, you know, um, and, and having kind of that, that, uh, granny suite, if you will, that, that they could stay in. So, um, balancing all that with something that also, you know, felt good as an investment was, was one of the main challenges here. Have you figured out how to build a spreadsheet to put in uh, the wishes and wants of of the fiance and the parents? Have you been able to quantify <laughs> that yet? Because if you do, I want a license. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I I think though it it took looking at some properties and and you know we I mean Lauren can speak to some of the first properties that we looked at. I think were great investment properties, but then ultimately you know, I started to uncover some of the th- reasons they didn't work for, for my fiance, um, and in conversations with my parents. So, you know, it was a little bit of a, a explorative process there to, to narrow that down. But we ultimately, um, I mean, we're, we're, you know, both kind of quantitatively minded. So we, we ended up creating kind of this grid, I guess, or spreadsheet of, um, you know, her list of items, my list of items and assigning, you know, percentage rankings and scores for different projects so like there was a bit of a a process there to you know see what you know checked our boxes and and um you know even down to kind of you know our 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 long-term goals for you know on the personal side and values and things and 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 you know what these different options um helped us get there so um I don't know if we ended up, you know, actually using that that number, so to speak, but I think just going through the process was helpful in identifying all those different items that were important for each of us. Yeah, I, I love that exercise. I think that's a great thing for other other couples to look at. I mean, because Lauren, this is something you know we work with all the time, and mm-hmm. it's you're balancing the the investment, mm-hmm. balancing you know one person's wants, the other person's wants, and mm-hmm. a lot of times the you know. The, the the couples have different wants and priorities yeah. and figure out, hey, where does it all blend together? So we're going to start diving the spreadsheet here. So for people who's on the podcast, this will be in the show notes or check out the YouTube video, but we're going to talk through the numbers or talk through the spreadsheet. We put the numbers in here and kind of tell the story of it. So this is a house hack with ADU in low high. Yep. And so to kind of Go in that area as you are setting up searches and, and as Lord, as you guys started walking properties, what were some of the basic like parameters and what was the the search process like? So location we found out was a pretty big importance to both both of them. Um and then mostly just the setup for privacy. Um, you know, getting his fiance on board of doing the house hack and sharing a space, you know, with potential strangers, you know, privacy was definitely a big ticket item for them. So just being able to identify, you know, mother, mother-in-law suites or a kitchen in, in a basement, separate entrance, anything like of those kind of search terms is what we were like looking for. At the same time, we were also looking at duplexes so we were doing a multi-family search for them also okay and i mean just what was the process you guys would walk properties evaluate talk things and just refine right mm-hmm. any big ahas or things that came out as you you know walked the first few properties and then got the reality check well i think the first property we walked um you know from an investment perspective uh we actually liked but mm-hmm. um you know i think we we the day we we walked it it went into contract before we had a chance to put an offer in 
Um, so, I mean, that, that I think, you know, gave us some idea of what the market was like and that we had to be able to move quickly. Um, the other one that stuck out in my mind, we walked a property in Littleton that, that, um, you know, again, from a, from an investment perspective, um, you know, I liked it was, it was a, a duplex that had a in-place tenant, um, in the, in the sort of, um, second unit. Um, and the, in the main unit, there was a garage that already had, uh, a bathroom in place and would have been a, a fairly easy conversion to, to kind of add a, a, you know, an additional space there that we could rent yep. out. Um, so, you know, when you, when you factor that in, it, it, it cash flowed really nicely, but that was one where we, you know, um, kind of went down the path and we're, we're getting ready to make an offer. And ultimately my fiance kind of had some cold feet about, you know, things like privacy in terms of, um, uh, you know, the, the unit we, that we would be living in, uh, you know, it just was, was basically had a lot of windows and not much privacy to, you know, to neighbors and the street and everything like that. And so, you know, it's just those factors that, that we identified that then, you know, helped inform and narrow down the search, um, after that, that point. But that was, I think, you know, the biggest hiccup and, and, and that told me that, you know, we needed to, uh, you know, kind of, um, regroup and, and, and really identify the, the factors that were important to her. Um, and so that, you know, that's what we did. And I think that helped us ultimately narrow down on, uh, the search a bit further. Great. So moving to the property that you, uh, you know, found, went under contract, closed on and now live in, live in, yep. uh, we'll put primary residence in here. Uh, we'll come back to the finance in a second. What was the purchase price on here? So it's about 920,000. Okay. So we'll put about 920 in here. And the reason I skipped the financing is because this brings us into jumbo loan territory. Right. Yeah. And I know we, you know, we uh, ran some scenarios, talked some, talked yeah. some uh, different case studies, or talked them out. What did you end up picking for the jumbo loan? How'd you structure it? Because you had some really good options as you researched yeah. and talked different yeah. banks. Yeah. You know, I, I, I we looked at a lot of different options. I think my biggest debate was uh, ver doing a a twenty percent versus a ten percent down on on the jumbo loan. Um, we could have gotten a slightly better rate if we did 20% down, but, you know, it would have been a lot of additional equity. Um, and, you know, in, in talking to one of my mentors, uh, you know, he, he basically said, you're, you're in a once in a lifetime opportunity right now in interest rates and you should leverage it as much as you can. Um, so, so, you know, and then just looking at how long it would take us to kind of rebuild that equity and, and, you know, go to the next property, we ultimately decided to do in the 10% down jumbo loan option. All right, so we're going to put the down payment at, at 10%. Yeah. And we'll come back and talk more about this a little bit. Um, acquisition cost, I mean, to, to ballpark closing costs on here. Yeah, so we had, we got um, seller credits that, that covered most the acquisition costs. Um, I don't, I don't think we really came out of pocket much in terms of, you know, other than some of the inspections and things that we paid for, but it wasn't wasn't a very large number. I can't recall exactly what it was, but maybe, mm -hmm. you know, a couple thousand dollars or something. Well, how much were your seller credits? 13,000? That was a good chunk, right? 13,000. Yeah, okay. mm -hmm. So I'm just going to put 13,000 seller credits, acquisition costs, I mean, what, 10,000 or so? Yeah. And then, okay, so I know we kind of jumped a little bit there. So we, we're filling the spreadsheet here. Sure. So you got 10% down. Um, what was your mortgage insurance like? Uh, so there was no mortgage insurance on the, on the jumbo loan. Um, so, Great. so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna zero this out. Yep. 
as Laura and I learned how to do this a few times now. <laughs> um, so I just put it up for a single paid in the spreadsheet and then zeroed it out in the initial repair cost. So, okay, so uh, purchase price was 920, which doesn't necessarily mean that was the list price, but you guys walked it, you ran the numbers, you liked it, you put the offer in. Yeah. And the very first step we do is that due diligence inspection item. Right. So what was the inspection process like? Uh, so this one, it was the house was built, I want to say in like 1895. Uh, so older, older home. When um, we just got the regular inspector out there, this property was unique because the seller had just kind of rehabbed the property. Uh, when you first walk in the first floor, it was um, like living space and then a dining room and then the like kitchen area over there. So what they ended up doing was getting rid of the dining room, keeping the living room. They pushed the kitchen up forward. Then they turned that other, that, that original kitchen into the secondary units. So there's another kitchen there, but that's for the private, private units. Um, and so they had done some upgrades to the property. They put in like a new sewer line. Um, the city made them do the new sewer line cause they were putting in a garage. Um, and so during the inspection, we found, you know, some concerns about the new electrical panel that was put in there. We were trying to, Brian did a great job of looking through all the uh, construction permits, looking at everything, making every sure everything was permitted. Um, the biggest thing that we uh, we were concerned about also too, um, is the two times that we walked it during inspection period, there was an active leak um, happening. Mm. And so, um, the seller and the agent really wasn't around very much during this time. So we really couldn't get very much direction of, you know, what was the source of the leak. So we really had to do our own homework and de detective work. Uh, we finally were able to figure out that the, um, the clothes washer, um, something was really weird was going on. It would just on its own fill up with water and wouldn't drain. Um, and so the water was coming out of the, the washer machine and there was a return vent or supply vent for the HVAC right there. And it was going into that, um, into that HVAC pipe and in the basement, um, you know, it was, it was trickling out from the HVAC pipe. So we finally were able to isolate nothing major. It was just a defective washer. You know, there was no, um, you know, damage that was really done to the flooring or anything like that. Um, but the biggest concern was the structure. Um, they had put in some bracing. Uh, again, it's a two-story brick home built in 1890s. Um, you're going to have some settling and you're going to need some reinforcements. Um, you know, the previous owner had put in some structure bracing, but it's definitely not up to code. It was like some two, two by fours, <laughs> two by fours sandwiched yeah. in with a couple other pieces of wood. Um, and so we had to bring in a structural engineer and, um, you know, get quotes and, um, you know, go back to them to get all of these items repaired. And this was a big, a big process, um, a turning point in the process of this deal because it was on the higher price of their, of their budget. Um, you know, uh, first time home buyers and, you know, they didn't want to, you know, get into something that was going to overstretch them and like maintenance. So oh, yeah. we initially went into the contract of, you know, having a, like a limited inspection clause in it, uh, you know, trying to signal to the seller, you know, we're going to be pretty easy to work with, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the end of the day, the laundry list of items of concern, you know, 
out, you know, was enough risk to them to want to terminate the contract. So we kind of had to pivot our strategy with the seller and, you know, say, you know what, after doing inspection, we didn't realize all of these items were, were wrong and it's going to cost them out of this, this, uh, this deal. So if, if we want to keep it whole and together, we're going to need to come to some under understanding here. So I think it was like a two page inspection objection. <laughs> and, um, you know, Brian did a really good job and we worked together to negotiate, you know, the uh, a new sewer line uh, replacement. They only fixed half of the sewer line. Uh, so we were able to get them to completely fix that and then, you know, give him a pretty good hefty chunk in seller concessions for the structural issues or just for, you know, mm-hmm getting the bracing up to like code. Uh, and then, like I said, it was remodeled and, you know, they just kind of like there was some uh, door handles missing and just some like cosmetic things of when you get to that price point, if you're going to remodel a home and we needed them to, to tweak yeah. a couple of these things. So, and how were the sellers or how receptive were they to this? I mean, it was, wasn't what they wanted, um, but they had been on the market for a little bit. This house was on the market originally the way that it laid out how I described it. And then the um, the real estate agent does a lot of really cool, the listing agent does a lot of really cool deals around town and it was his friend's house. So he was the one that came in and assessed the property and said, hey, I think that if we do these tweaks to the property, we can add a lot of value because uh, what they listed it for a year ago was a lot more than what they had listed it, you know, whenever Brian bought it for that additional value. Um, and so, um, you know, they were they were initially not happy about all of the asks, but I think they were kind of at a point to where they wanted it off the books and they just wanted to move forward. And so they met us in the middle. I think we started with like a twenty five thousand dollar ask on the on the uh, seller credits and met us half mm-hmm. on half of it. Great. So, so you got you got the second half or the second part of the serial line replaced, which mm-hmm. is a huge win. You got yeah. 13,000 in seller credits. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and they painted the garage too. Yeah, and there's some you know, like cosmetic some things, things that like they that. Fixed. They put the doorknobs in that were missing. So there were some cosmetic things that were not a huge deal, but nice that they, they covered. Um, I'm surprised they did because that's yeah. that the, that cosmetic stuff is usually like it's yeah. like all times a no-go area when it comes mm-hmm. to inspection negotiations. Yeah. But yeah. well, great, great job, guys. Um, and then in terms of initial repair cost, I know you got seller credits had some work like, mm-hmm. and we'll get into more, what'd you have to spend on the property to get it fixed up yeah. um, approximately? And then we'll talk about your business plan in a minute as well, come back and update it. Yeah, so so we spent some money that what wasn't initially repair cost, but I would say we did some improvements. Um, so I don't know if you wanna include that here, but we, yeah, you know, we'll when, 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 when um, you know, I was really thinking about the the ADU and and uh, renting to uh, traveling nurses. You know, in in my research, I think it's something like eighty percent of them are females. You know, women and um, and and they also you know one of their top concerns is security. So I think I think Loha is a really safe area. But just to you know uh, be competitive, we decided to put a, a security system in, and um, I, I so we spent about two thousand dollars on getting you know a really nice security system uh in there that was you know sort of a nice to have um mm-hmm. but but not critical and then the other um big spend you, you know just sort of for a, a quality of life since we're going to be living there i wanted a separate zone for the hvac so that they had their own thermostat we didn't have to be sharing yep um so that ended up being about four thousand to get that we it, it was that plus we added some um and an additional vent to get some additional uh, heating in our living room. Um, so, 
Um, those were the, the big ticket items that, okay. uh, that we What about the, like any initial repair costs you had to do from the, that you use the seller credit money for? You know, the, the the big piece is gonna be that that structural, which we haven't done yet. I mean, it wasn't something that, that like was a has to be done now kind okay. of thing, but something right. that, that is on the list for, you know, at some point we're gonna do, and that'll probably be about $5,000. So, okay. you know, uh, but we, we have, we, you know, at, at this point, um, the stuff that's this there, you know, it's been there for years and it's, it's, it's okay. Um, as long as, you know, it's just not up to code. Um, so if we were to ever to sell the property, you know, I think we would get it fixed and, and, you know, we're monitoring it to make sure, um, you know, at some point we might need to need to spend that money to, to get that fixed, but it wasn't like a critical repair we had to do right off the bat. And it's been there for 140 years or so, 130 yeah, yeah. years. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and then what about the initial cost to get the air, the, um, additional dwelling furnished? How much do you think you spent? Yeah. So I think on just furniture, um all said and done it was about 1500 um you know and then we 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 were able to reuse a number of like um you know certain things like silverware and that kind of stuff we we uh we just had some extra you know so we were able to you know kind of between between ikea and amazon and reusing stuff we we kept costs you know pretty low on that front so that was that was good yeah so that's great so i put all these numbers in the initial repair costs including that the negative thirteen thousand offset the mortgage yeah so we can just say all in i mean for you know for down payment acquisition costs seller credits getting it up and running you're all in for about just a hundred thousand dollars that's about right yeah okay um and we'll get to more in the business plan here in a, in a couple of cells. What was your interest rate on the jumbo? Uh, three point three seven five. So that is great. And is that an arm? Is that a fixed? No, it's rate? fixed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fixed over Th- 30, thirty years. Yeah. Wow. You got a jumbo fixed at three and three eighths. Yeah. Ooh, I forgot. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was actually so the the debate was we could have actually gone sub three if we did twenty percent down. So that was the big debate. I mean, it was like when could you get a you know sub three percent jumbo loan? But um, we ended up you know uh, when, when kind of played played with the numbers quite a bit and, and ended up with the the additional leverage. Yeah, an extra hundred grand is yeah. not worth uh, half a point. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. Um, okay, so do you want to run this? Because you, I think your plan here for this property is to stay here for a bit. Actually, let me rephrase that question into a question. Sure. What is your plan for the property? <laughs> like for you living there and then your yeah. business plan with it? Sure. So, so you know, the, the long-term, I guess, plan or vision was to have a space, you know, eventually. So I both uh, my fiance and I have, have older parents, um, but especially mine, you know, I'm an only child and I, I could see a day potentially when they might want to move in full time, you know, and into like a, an additional unit or something that we had um, to be closer. And in the meantime, you know, I think there there's a high likelihood that they'll want to visit for part like an extended period of time. So I like the idea of having something that was a little bit separate that they could use. And then when they're not using it, we would, you know, we could rent it short or medium term to to offset some of the mortgage. So th- the plan is, you know, live in place in the main unit, rent out that that ADU for part of the year. And then maybe, you know, for a month or two, my parents might use it out of the year. Um, and longer term, you know, I mean, I, 
it's a great space and a great neighborhood so i could see us sticking around there for a while but um you know if, if we wanted to to move on to a, a larger space or something like that um we would either you know depending on where prices are at we could look to sell it or we might just you know try to turn it into a, a full-on investment property and, and rent b- both units because you guys don't have any plans like move out in like a year or two to re- repeat this right you're kind of buying this and staying here for a few like three to yeah, five years i yeah, remember yeah okay yeah. so um yeah the, the plan was to stay in place at least a few years um okay. and you know reassess at that point so um you know it's 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 not your your traditional you know one year house hack yep so let's run this while you're living there because that's sure, you know that was sure. one of your main goals was to having a great location great spot and have yeah income to offset your mortgage and have a, a separate space for family to, to come visit. Yeah, sure. So I know when you uh, went on a contract and bought this place, you looked at a few different ways of you know renting out the property. Yeah. Walk us through what you looked at and what, what you decided on and give us some numbers. Yeah, sure. So w- <laughs> when we were uh, doing our due diligence, there was an in-place renter on a month-to-month lease at, I think it was 1800 mm-hmm. a month. Um, in the ADU. In the ADU. And that's a one bedroom, one bathroom. It's a one bedroom, one bath with a kitchen, kitchenette. Um, and it's attached to the main house, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's got, it's got nice, you know, uh, the backyard, it, it basically has the backyard access. And then there's a large two and a half car garage. So it has shared access to the garage. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a cozy one bed, one bath, but, I, but uh, it's a nice space. Mm-hmm. So we... You know, when I when I looked at the numbers in low high and having, you know, I was a currently a renter in that market, so I had some experience directly. Um, but you know, also in just kind of looking at comps in the area, I felt like there was upside on that on that eighteen hundred. Um, you know, up to I think I, I put my my low bar estimate at nineteen fifty, and then I thought we could go as high as maybe twenty two hundred on, okay. on the um, and so you know the strategy as we moved in. You know, this is our first ever tenant. Um, so I, I, you know, started at the 1950 with the, the thought that, um, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll get it filled quickly and uh, you know get some experience, and then we'll have some time to you know get that second tenant um, and market it. You know, but we we wanted a pretty quick turnaround to get someone in place. So we listed it on uh, a few different places, Airbnb, VRBO, and then also Furnish Finder, which is a, a site that, that more targets, you know, um, traveling nurses. Mm-hmm. And then I also made a post on uh, a couple different Facebook groups for traveling nurses. And uh, I posted it through my fiance's Facebook to thinking, you know, there's Smart. there's a, a little, you know, she, she, she's a woman and a young woman that, you know, they might relate to a little bit more. So we got a ton of interest. That's a good tip. Um, you know, right off the bat, I, I, I mean, it was, I think we got, uh, within the first couple days, um, on, we got, uh, I want to say six traveling nurses that inquired four of them actually did applications. Um, and you know, so I, I had applications in hand that all looked pretty qualified. And then simultaneously we were getting a lot, you know, a lot of inquiries from through Airbnb, um, this is my first time using Airbnb, and so I actually made a mistake of um, listing it so that they could instantly book, uh, as mm. opposed to me screening. And so my, I, I had basically, you know, since I had all these traveling nurses, I just jacked the price up on Airbnb to I think twenty six hundred, thinking, you know, for the um, month, for the for a one month. Okay. 
and thinking like, well, you know, I'll, I'll go through these, these traveling nurses. And then in the meantime, someone instantly booked it at 2,600. Um, so I was like, well, maybe we go with the Airbnb, but then in talking to them, they wanted to bring a dog. Um, so I was, you know, uh, I didn't like the idea of our, our first ever tenant, especially cause I mean, it depends on your space, but I think our space had some, you know, it, it was an older building with some really nice, um, you know, moldings and, 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 you know, like we were just put this new furniture in there. You know, I really didn't want to deal with, uh, having a dog potentially rip it up. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't worth the extra few hundred dollars there. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we all said and done, we ended up, um, canceling that booking on Airbnb and, and going with one of the nurses that, that had applied at 1950. Um, and I, I think, you know, based on the fact that we got that filled so quickly, uh, when, when, and that was a three month lease that we put in place with them. But when that runs out, you know, I'm, I'm likely looking to try to fill that at the 2200, um, for the, for the next tenant. All right, so let's run this at 2200 because you think that's probably what the more realistic rent is, right, for the long yeah. term? Yeah. Again, get it rented out. Um, <clears throat> vacancy. So your your rough plans to probably rent this out 10 months out of the year and two months, friends and family? Yeah, I think it's kind of TBD. I mean, especially during, you know, our, our parents, um, I don't know that they'll be visiting this year, uh, but, you know, long term, that probably makes sense, you know, yeah. something like that. And I've also found you know, we can kind of use it to, if you have a, you know, a one week gap between renters, you know, it's a good time to invite my friends to come out and visit and kind of that, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, they're, they're, but I, I think, uh, if we assume a two months out of the year vacancy, that's probably fine. So what? 16% should be close enough, right? Sure. Yeah. I can't do math and podcast guys. So <laughs> make sure it's not too bad. Uh, rent increase. I mean, we'll leave it at 3% because we want to get into that annual appreciation rate. Okay. Since you've got a background in, in real estate, yeah. you know, Hey, you know, we're in a highly appreciating market right now with environment we're in, but we always like to plan on conserved numbers. Yeah. What do you underwrite this appreciation at? Yeah. So when I was running my, my numbers, you know, because low high is a little bit more of a mature market. It's already appreciated pretty health, you know, quite a bit. So I, I ran it at a 3% appreciation rate okay. to, to, um, and I mean, I actually, you know, we ran some different scenarios there, but, um, you know, I felt like that was, I, I still see a lot of upside in Colorado overall with, you know, you look at, at the amount of people, you know, the inflow into Colorado and, um, you know, the, the, uh, I think that's, that's only in, increased with the the uh, work from home you know kind of oh, yeah. remote work all the tech jobs that are flowing here mm -hmm. um and we're seeing a, a ton of demands in in low high so um i think there's still some upside there i agree but i like to rent three percent yeah. to be super conservative yeah. mm -hmm. um i'm just gonna leave your tax rate at 25 percent to keep it simple and not go down that rabbit's hole property management i'm assuming this is a no it's a no yeah uh repairs a month of reserves for maintenance and repairs little tricky since you're living there but like what do you what do you ballpark for just general maintenance in the house and just you know turnover and wear and tear and whatever as as people come and go throughout the adu yeah so again i think i, I used a, a little bit more conservative number and ran that at eight percent yeah i like that perfect hoa no no taxes i know they are more than that default in there yeah yeah <laughs> they are you know i um I, I, we could pull up the number. I don't remember yeah, I offhand uh, no. what what that was. Okay, so we'll should, come back. Should have that memorized, but no, uh, <laughs> nah, it's on auto pay with the mortgage. What about your insurance? Yeah, so um, that ended up being pulled out as well for you. Sorry. 
No, you just give a ballpark or if you... Yeah, it was, it was, um, I think we, we ended up, so we, we, we went through a, an insurance broker and it was interesting, you know, one of the, the conversations we had was, uh, around, you know, the, the fact that we we're going to rent it as an ADU. And so that actually influenced the policies and the coverage we, we got. So, so I ended up with one that, you know, we would be well protected even with that, that tenant in place and, and some of those additional coverages. So I want to say it was about 1600, um, for, for that. That's still very low. Yeah. I mean, for an, yeah. Yeah. And taxes were 2622. Oh, that's less than I expected. Um, utilities, have you gotten a feel for what utilities are running out there? It's probably hard to say. Yeah, since... you know, because we've only, we've only really had about a month of yeah. uh, true, you know, us being in there and, and, and even less with a, with a tenant in place. Um, so, but, you know, ballparking, um, you know, I think on the electric bill, I was assuming the average through the year might be like a hundred a month, um, something in that range. I guess we'll, we'll find out if it ends up being a little more than that. I think our... Our our um, March bill ended up being closer to 150, um, but you know that was we were also uh, running the heater quite a bit, and we had yeah. had a, a tenant in place. So um, you know we 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 could run it. I guess if you want to be conservative, you could you could assume the uh, the 150. But um, yeah, I think my initial numbers I'd used 100. Yeah, let's be conservative. So about 800 bucks for the year. Trash is zero because it's Denver. Yeah. yeah. Water sewer. I mean, what 12, 1500. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we'll just say fifteen hundred. Be conservative. Yeah. Any other expenses? I guess Wi-Fi for you and the guest, right? Yeah. So I mean, you know, again, it was it was kind of interesting of what we consider uh, real estate costs versus just you know our 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 cost of living. So we're 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 sharing our ex- you know the same Wi-Fi we would have had. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I, th- I think we ran that at about a uh, hundred a month or so um for for some of that and then i threw in um you know there is a backyard i mean i'm not hiring anyone for landscaping but i think i put in like 50 a month for just like random you know landscaping related stuff great all right so we got all the expenses in here lauren eyeball that's all Mm -hmm. anything uh it all looks good good? Mm -hmm. all right so we're gonna the next tab here and we are looking about a total uh, annual gross income of about $22,000 for the year once we take out that approximate two months worth of vacancy. You know, about $11,000 in expenses. That's repairs, maintenance, taxes, insurance, utilities, Wi-Fi, landscaping. And so you are getting about $22,000 a year to offset your mortgage. Now, of course, from a cash flow perspective, it's going to look, you know, very poor because you're, you know, it's a negative $33,000 in cash flow, which is, you know, on paper, it's a horrible investment, but now you're also living there as well. Um, so that turns out to be about, what, 2500 bucks a month? The 33000 Yeah. Yeah, yes. it's about 2900 uh, Yeah. So, okay, $2,800 a month. Does that sound about right to what you were estimating? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have a three-bed, two-bath unit or house that you and your fiance are living in the Highlands. Yeah. So, so our right. unit we're living in is three-bed, two-and-a-half. Okay. Three, two-and-a-half yeah. for $2,800 a month. Right. Which is, you know, when I thought about it from a cash flow perspective, that was less than we were paying for a two-bed, one-bath 
in in three blocks away. What can we ask? What that number was? Um. So so our original lease in that space was was twenty eight hundred, but they were kicking it up to thirty three hundred. Okay. So we'll say I mean from break even to actually you know you're saving a few hundred dollars a month in cash flow. Yeah. While you're building equity in the, a place that will it's going to hold its value and go up a few mm-hmm. bucks. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see you know what the numbers would look like for renting out the main main house you know for well, once you really move that. out. So, okay, so actually, uh, I definitely want to do that. So we're going to say great area, great location, works for you mm-hmm. and the fiance. It's part of like your master investing plan and you're living for the same price or less and you're paying for rent in a mm-hmm. house. So win, 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 win across all those check boxes. Now, let's just say the ADU, um, you keep doing medium-term rentals for simplicity. And then when it comes out to a long-term rental, I mean, what do you that main house for, do you think? So, yeah, I, I th- it was I pulled a bunch of comps on that to try to, you know, come up with a good estimate. Um, and, you know, I, we, we actually within like a half mile and one mile radius, the comps were coming in really high. It was actually like thirty nine fifty. I felt like that was um, maybe a bit bit high, you know, just in that that the the. You know, even though it was, um, you know, quite a few beds and baths, it might be, you know, the square footage might be a bit low compared to the comps. So I ended up estimating it at, at, at 3,300 um, for that main unit. And, you know, stress tested it, I think, at like 3,000. All right. So I'll leave that in there for the traveling nurses plus 3,300 a month. Yeah. So fifty five hundred a month in income. I'm gonna drop your vacancy like five percent to make it right. You know, not two months empty a year. Now, it's positive cash flow of four thousand bucks a year. Yeah, which is fantastic. Right, and and you know, I was looking at getting a you know over a five percent cap rate in low high. Um, very attractive compared mm-hmm. to you know what we've been seeing in, mm-hmm. in other. Programs. Oh yeah, I mean that's you don't see five plus cap rates and low high typically like yeah. that's what makes this such an amazing deal yeah. so um coming back here so let's run really conservative so you you know we are assuming 2200 for traveling nurses mm-hmm. if you were to do a long-term conservative rental to the one bedroom what would you put it at i mean 1900 yeah i mean if i i think if it was um furnished you know i i mean you can you can get get some you know, I think the 1950s probably supportable. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the 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 1800 was in place for for I think that was it when it was unfurnished. I there might be some upside on that even too. But um, you know, uh, I think that the 1950, if we we've already done all the work of furnishing it and and that kind of thing, so we might find someone that you know would would be able to use some of that in place stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we'll just go and drop their rent that really low in the main house from 33 to 3,000. Yep. So your gross rent drops about 500 bucks a month. And we still have all the utilities, which we'll just leave in here. Mm -hmm. And you could probably do some utility reimbursement on top of there. But now you're in native basically $100 a month. So either way, you're right around a break even. Yeah. Because we factored some utilities, you should be break even. Break even to a $5,000 cash flow. This is a win. Totally. Yeah. So I like this a lot. Um, all right. So as we wrap this up, final thoughts, comments, other sneers you guys want to run? 
Nope. I think this is a really good exercise just to kind of see the power of a medium term rental versus the long term. Um, You know, it's a small space to like furnish. So to get it up and running, you know, the investment cost was was really low. Um, And so just being able to see different ways you can play with it. And it's a good loophole too uh, with a medium term rental versus a short term because once they move out, you know, at Denver rules, you know, it has to be your primary house. He wouldn't be able to have the option to mm-hmm. do a short-term rental. Um, but medium-term, you can though, right? You can do a medium-term and you don't have the same taxes that you'll get on a short-term. And also too, just the headache and turnover um, is a lot less with, versus a short-term. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we've, you know, I think the the traveling nurse demographic is a, you know, great type of renter to have yeah. in there. And, and thus far, that's been, you know, proving out. So, yeah. And like um, the, the location is definitely key, especially for somebody who's young, who's moving to a brand new city. Yeah. Um, you know, low high is definitely top on the list for people to have a good work work life balance. Oh yeah, that's like <laughs> top of the top of the list to go yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, this was, this was awesome ryan so thank you yeah and you know part of what i like to do with the podcaster since we are hyper local i forgot to ask just before the podcast but is there anything that um you want to network with other people out there in the local investing community uh is there a good way for people to reach you to talk about shop or talk investing like what do you want to get from the community and how can people reach you yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I you know, being newer to the area, I'm excited to to meet other folks that you know share their interest in real estate and and get other you know insights into um, you know as we're looking you know eventually to to get some additional properties and you know just um, hearing other people's strategies, what's worked, what hasn't in the in the local market here um, would would welcome that and, and be happy to share more about you know our experience and and. Uh, you know um, how, how things are, are playing out with the property. Um, so yeah, I think you know people people can reach me. I have a, a LinkedIn is usually my my main social okay. media I use. Um, so that that's not a bad way to reach me. So they can we'll put that link in there and just type in Brian Alpern right and they'll yeah, find you. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Lauren, do we miss anything to highlight the deal? I don't think so. No, All that right. Was, that was great. Well, thank you guys for coming out. This was awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a great process. So thank you for your help, both of you, and uh, we're excited to, to work with you in the future. Thank you. Likewise. So listeners out there, if you guys have questions, want more details, reach out to Lauren or me. We can run you through this, and there's always a way to find a property that works for you in the current marketplace. I know a lot of times we're doom and gloom on some staff, talk inventory, but we consistently find properties that make sense in the current market that also fits our clients' profiles as well. So don't be shy in reaching out. Thanks a lot.